So the series that we've been working on this year is called Rooted, and it's based out of Colossians 2. And so let me read that uh, again for you uh, as a refresher. Colossians 2 says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So once we have received Christ, we're called to walk in him. And so, well, what does that look like? Well, everything that we've been covering this entire year, we spent all fall talking about how do we study the Bible. Um, That is a huge way. Uh, We spent a number of weeks on prayer. We spent a number of weeks on worship. And so, again, reading, studying the Bible, prayer, Worship, these are all vital ways to help us stay rooted and to walk in our relationship with Jesus. And so, but uh, those things help us stay rooted once we've received Christ. But all of this is hinged on receiving Christ. And so that, that's where it all starts. And you know what's amazing is that God wants to use you to share the message of Jesus, so that people can experience the hope that we have in Christ. And so let me share what Paul writes in Romans 10. It'll be up on the screen. Romans 10, 14 and 15 says this, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. And so this is what we're going to unpack here tonight, is we're going to look at the question, how do we share our faith? Because the message of Christ is not something that we just, you know, hide and keep to ourselves. It's something that we're meant to share, to point people to Jesus. And so we could talk about this topic forever. So tonight we're going to kind of boil it down to a couple of key things. And hopefully we can kind of give you some tools and resources to help get you started so you feel more comfortable and confident sharing your faith. And again, the goal for tonight is not to give you all the tools so that every person you talk to is going to place their faith in Jesus, that you're not going to be scared or nervous. But again, these are some, hopefully, some tips that will help you feel more confident in sharing your faith. All right, you guys with me? Give me a thumbs up if you're with me. All right, good deal. You good? I'm just making sure you're not like dying or something, all right? It's, just let me know. All right, so if you have a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 17, okay? Find Acts 17. Uh, if you need some help finding it, just hold your Bible up and a leader can help you find it, okay? Acts chapter 17, and not like Acts the body spray, like Acts in the Bible. All right, once you have found it, give me a thumbs up so I know where we're at, okay? Some thumbs up, some thumbs up. Ooh, Brian one has a highlighter. That's cool. No, I was like, ooh, a highlighter. Cool, good, good, good. Okay? Acts chapter 17, okay? If you need help, find a friend because we want to make sure you find it. You need some help? All right, good. Did you say page what? It's page 640 in the Bibles that we passed out, if that helps, okay? 
Oh, that's good, Daniel. All right. So once you find it, okay, you good, Nate? All right, you're good. All right, so I'm going to start off by reading the first few verses, and we're going to work through this here a little bit, okay? All right, so let's focus in and let's listen. I'm going to read the first few verses. So starting in verse 16. Now, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know therefore what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. All right, so let's pause there for a little bit. All right, remember uh, the Bible study acronym that we learned in the fall? What was it? Someone shout it out. Everyone say, soya. Soya. All right. What was the first letter of soya? Wow, that was ac- you answered my question, but it made me laugh because you actually did, and it wasn't what I was thinking, so I'm glad you're paying attention. What is it? Survey, which also can be said as context. All right, so before we get into some of this, let's do some survey and observations. Okay, what are some initial things that you see in this passage that you think are important that we're going to be worth noting here as we work along. All right, Jason. Right, we see Paul preaching, sharing his faith, right? Good, Nate. Yeah, right? They're saying, what is this babbler talking about? What? He's talking about resurrection. Like, what, what is happening here, right? Great observation. Caden, what do you see? Paul is in Athens, right? That's a great observation. So we need to know where he is. And we don't have time to dig into that, but definitely something worth checking into. What else? What are some other observations, things that you see? Yeah, we see that the people believed in multiple Gods. That's going to be important as we kind of work through this passage here tonight. Any other important observations or things that you think are worth noting before we kind of work through it? Yeah. Right? You see, Paul's like, he's pretty, you know, bold about what he's talking about. So we see him talking in the streets, and we're going to unpack that a little bit here as well. Nate? Yeah, right? So some are like, what's this guy talking about? And others are like, hmm, say more. So we see quite a plethora of people receiving what Paul is talking about. So let's work through this here. Okay, in verse 16, we see that Paul was provoked. You might also have in your Bible deeply troubled. And so, again, remember, we need to understand 
what words are defined, because words matter. And so this word provoked here means to irritate, to despise, make angry, deeply troubled, to burn with anger. And it's also often translated as to be heartbroken or to heartbreak. And keep this in mind. And so then next, we see in verse 17 that he's debating or reasoning with the people in the synagogues and the devout people that were in the marketplace. And so before you start thinking, okay, wait a minute, the Bible says we're supposed to debate everybody for Jesus. I'm going to go start debating everybody. Again, we need to understand how these words are defined. And so this word debate, or maybe you have the word reasoned, this word means to discuss, ponder, mingle thought with thought, to converse, not converse like the shoes, like to have a conversation or to share truth with. So before Paul even began to really share his faith, we see a few things happen. We see that he has a burden for this city and the people who were living there. His heart was breaking for the people who were living for idols or multiple gods. And so his heart was breaking for these people because they were living for idols that would never truly satisfy them. And then secondly, we see him spending time building relationships and engaging in conversation. So according to verse 17, how often was Paul in the marketplace or the modern day there, Walmart, right? He was, at, he was in the marketplace. How often was he there? What do you see? Daily, which means every day. Just want to make sure we're all on the same page. He was there every day. So he was building relationships with people. I imagine Paul, maybe he had his favorite shops. Maybe he had his favorite cashiers, you know, his favorite spots to get some fish. I don't know. But we see him spending time with people. So before he even starts to share his faith, we see Paul having a burden for people and he spent time with them building relationships. And so let me ask you this, and just something to think about. Don't, don't answer this out loud. Think about this. Do you find it hard to feel burdened or heartbroken for the people in your life who need Jesus? Do you feel heartbroken for the people in your life that need Jesus? It's something to think about. And Mark 6.34 shows us a great picture of how Jesus looked at people. He says, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And so like Jesus, we need to have compassion on others. Is our heart breaking for people who need Jesus? How are we viewing people in our lives that need Jesus? Because those who don't have a relationship with Jesus, Jesus says they're like sheep without a shepherd. And that was once many of us before we had Jesus. And so maybe you're listening tonight and you're wondering, well, what does this look like? Well, check out this video and it'll explain a little bit more of what it means and what it looks like.
So this video is one that obviously Chick-fil-A has used for a lot of their trainings that they do for employees. And I think it's a really great way to help us think through how do we see people? Because every person that we encounter has a story. Every person that we encounter has a struggle and are dealing with hurts and heartaches. And I think what a great opportunity for us to get to know people and to get to know their story and to offer them hope through Christ that their story can change for eternity. And so I think before we can even begin to talk about how we can share our, our faith, I think from this example of Paul here, we need to ask ourselves, does my heart break for the people around me? And am I taking the time to get to know them as real people with real struggles? Because Jackie Hill Perry, author, speaker, says, as Christians, we are in the people business, not the project business. We don't view people as projects to be fixed, share the gospel with them, and then just move on. Because God loves each and every person, and we need to take time to share with them the hope of Jesus. And so we need to ask ourselves, does my heart break for people? And so let's continue on. Verse 18, we see that the people were wrestling with Paul's message. Some people were curious. Some people were giving him some, you know, opposition. And so make sure you make note of that. Some people were curious and some people were like, what is this guy talking about? And so just be thinking about that and make that note that not everybody is going to buy into this message that we have of Jesus. And so verses 19 through 21, we see that ultimately they were intrigued with Paul's message. They wanted to hear more. They wanted to hear more. Now let's hop back in to verse 22 and let's read the rest of this so we can kind of see how this all culminates. So join in with me, verse 22. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, which is basically like this... Um, quad where they would spend time talking and debating and reasoning, whatever. So they were in the midst of this place and they said, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods in the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each and every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought to not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. And so basically, we see here in these verses, Paul 
shares the gospel message. He lays out the gospel message where he says, as I'm walking around, I see altars with the inscription below to an unknown God. And Paul says, I'm here to tell you that you can actually know who the God is. And so I'm curious, as you look at that, does anything stick out to you about how he shares the gospel here? Does anything stick out to you how Paul shares the gospel message here? Daniel? Okay. Yeah, he's saying that you can know God. You're saying you can't know him. I'm saying you can know God. Isn't that an awesome thing that we can know him? Yeah, Nate? Oh, sorry, I didn't know. Anyone else? Yeah. Yeah, he relates to them, right? He's saying, hey, I saw this altar that you pass every day. Uh, He even quotes a local poet who they would know. And he's saying, hey, um, actually, you can know who God is. So, yeah, other thoughts? Right, yeah. Other thoughts on how Paul shares? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any other thoughts on how how does Paul share the gospel here? Anyone else? Anyone else besides Daniel? I want to make sure everyone else has a chance. Other thoughts? How does Paul share the gospel here? Any other things that stick out to you? Daniel, what were you going to say? Yeah. Not only can you know God, he wants to know you. Isn't that good news in and of itself? And so what I find so fascinating about how Paul shares the gospel is, one, Paul uses his knowledge of the culture. Again, he says, you know, I see this altar that says to an unknown God. And number two, he communicates the gospel in a way that is understandable and relatable to the people. Again, Paul says, you may not claim to know God, but I'm here to tell you, you can know God. You can have a relationship with him. And so basically, this is what Paul tells them. This unknown God you're worshiping, you can know him. And this God, he isn't confined to man-made temples. He is the ultimate giver of life, including us, which is us as well in this room. And we are created in the image of God, and we are made to be in relationship with God. And God is calling all of us to repent or to turn away from our sins. We're called to turn away because of what Jesus did on the cross and how he conquered the grave. You know, this thing called Easter that we're getting ready to celebrate? And then he says, there is judgment coming, meaning there will be consequences one day for the sins that we have committed. But praise be to God that in Christ, we can have victory. Not we hope, no, we can have victory. And that's why we make such a big deal about Easter, the resurrection, because the resurrection, the empty tomb, is what tells us that we have the victory. That's why we get so pumped up about it. We have victory over the consequences of sin. And so, verses 32 and 33, how did some of the people respond to him? In those few verses after, 
How did the people respond to him after he shared this message? How did some of the people respond? Yeah. Yeah. Some mocked him. What else? Nate? You know what? That's a great question. Maybe we'll talk about that afterwards. All right. That's a great question. It's a good thing you're thinking about. It's good. Some mocked him and some believed. There was even a few who made a profession of faith or they declared, I believe in Jesus. And so I think from this example, right, Paul, who wrote like half the New Testament, when Paul shared the gospel, some mocked him. Some were still not quite sure, and some believed in the message of Jesus. And so I think from that, we can see that as we share our faith, we may not win over everyone to Jesus. But we are called to be faithful in sharing the good news. Because this is good news. The fact that we are separated because of sin, but because of Jesus the relationship can be made whole again. That is good news. And again, later on, Paul says in Acts chapter 20, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. What is that work? The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. The wonderful grace grace of God, the good news. Because we need to remind ourselves we don't save people. God does. We don't save people. We are called to tell others the good news of Jesus. Because we are not the great physician. We are just physician's assistants. We point people to the God who saves, to Jesus Christ. And you know what? It's also easy to think, well, you know what? I'm just going to live a really good life, and I hope and pray that someone will notice, and they'll ask me why I live differently. And I mean, of course, as followers of Jesus, we want to live differently than the world. We hope that people see there's a difference in us. But at some point, we need to tell others why we are different. Because, yes, we're called to live and act differently, but at some point we need to tell people why we live and act differently. Because remember what Paul said earlier? How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone telling them? How are people supposed to hear about the good news of Jesus if we don't go and share the gospel? And again, it's not all on our shoulders to save people because as Paul said in Acts 20, we're called to the work of telling others the good news of Jesus. We're called to share the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection, the good news that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is the good news. The good news that God created us to be with him, that we are made to be in relationship with him. And so through Paul's example, we can learn five things about sharing our faith. One, spend time with people who need the gospel. 
Number two, view people as people, not projects. We don't fix people. We point people to Jesus who can change lives. Number three, communicate the gospel in ways that people can understand and relate to. That doesn't mean we change the gospel, but we communicate it in ways that will connect with people and that they'll better understand what Jesus has done for them. Number four, you know what? If you want to share your faith, just tell people what Jesus has done in your life. And number five, we're called to just simply be obedient. We're called to just share the good news and let the work of God, the spirit of God, draw people and change lives. And so you might be thinking, well, what does this look like practically? That all sounds great, but how do I actually do that? Well, uh, in small group, you're going to get two handouts. Uh, One is this acronym uh, called the gospel. (laughs) Fancy that, right? And it's this really neat way that you can kind of basically summarize the entire story of scripture into one uh, like kind of acronym. And so that has some really good ways that you can kind of help boil it down so you can communicate the gospel in a clear way. So I'm going to give that um, to the small group leaders and they'll pass those out. Again, this is just one tool and resource that can help you kind of um, share your faith in a really practical way. And then the second one is um, what we call best stories. And all it is, is again, another acronym. It's just before you were saved or before you trusted in Jesus. What were some of the things that happened that, lead, that led up to when you placed your faith in Jesus? What did it look like when you actually placed your faith in Jesus? And then what does that mean for today? It's basically a way to help you share your story. And so these are two resources, again, that I want to just get into your hands. And these are not scripts or formula. You don't just walk up to them and say, do you have a minute to talk about our Lord and Savior? Let me just read this paper. That's not what they're intended to do, right? They're meant to be a guide to help you share your faith. There's something to get you started. And so the truth that I want to leave you with tonight is this. Sharing your faith starts with simply sharing what Jesus has done in your life. If you want to share your faith and that seems overwhelming, well, just start by telling people what Jesus has done in your life. If he's changed your life, then tell people about it, right? I mean, think about it. If you went to a restaurant that you absolutely loved, what do you typically do? You tell your friends, oh, you got to go check out this place. It is amazing, right? If you went to a store that you really loved, you got to tell people, right? You post on Instagram, right? Whatever, But if Jesus has changed your life, the response should be to go and tell others what he's done. And so let me finish with this. I want to read what I read in the beginning of tonight, Romans 10. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him, Jesus? How can they hear about Jesus unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? If people are to receive Christ, to place their faith in Jesus, we're called to tell people about Jesus. And that starts with us being sent. And if you have placed your faith in Jesus, then God is calling you. He has sent you to share this good news with others. To share this good news. Let me pray for you guys. God, thank you so much for this opportunity for us to dig into your word. Uh, I pray that, Lord, moving forward, that we would feel more motivated to share our faith. It doesn't mean that we have all the right answers, that we have everything figured out. God, that we would simply start by just 
thinking and praying about who needs hope. And as we think and pray for those people, that we can find appropriate opportunities and ways to share with them, hey, here's the hope that I have. And that hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. God, I pray that you would give us opportunities to share our faith this week, and that you would bring people into our lives that we can point them to Jesus. We ask all this in your name we pray.